And so there was this very much this mentality, like I get to do this, you know, like I get to tie on my shoes and go out and go running when my mom is stuck on the couch. Diz Runs Radio episode 942 starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, today's episode is brought to you in part by the folks over at Tailwind, which uh, is the the sports drink, if you will. I guess that's I guess that's the technical category, right? The, the, the sports drink of choice for me. Now, that doesn't mean I use them all the time, and not because I have anything against them, but you know me. You know me. I'm more of a of a, of a low-carb kind of guy. I tend to do my runs fasted, not looking for a lot of extra fuel during my, my runs more often than not. Um, but on race day, I like a little boost. I like a little extra sugar, like a little extra salt. So I do get plenty of electrolytes in my water bottles when I'm running just in general. But if you're not quite as all in on the low carb thing as I am, if you like a little bit of extra boost, maybe some caffeine boost as well during your runs, Tailwind has got you covered. And uh, if you haven't tried it before, I would encourage you to, uh, to, I don't know, maybe take a little flyer. Maybe don't order from them right away. Maybe stop at your local running store, get a, get a sleeve or two, mix it out, try it, see how it goes. But if, you, if you're all, all in, if you're a fan, um, or if you, you want to take the plunge and give it a good, honest shake, good, honest try, uh, and you want to support the show at the same time, disruns.com slash tailwind is the link to do so. Uh, prices are, are the same. I'm pretty much, pretty sure they're exactly the same as they are. Like if you order on Amazon versus if you order through their website, but then of course you don't have to grease the palms of uh, Mr. Bezos. I mean, you know, not that, not that I'm against that. I buy my share fair share of stuff on Amazon as well, but you know, his palms are plenty greasy, you know? So maybe, maybe cut out the middleman a little bit, order direct from the company and uh, maybe grease my palms by using the affiliate link, disruns.com slash tailwind. That's T A I L W I N D. And I realized I just told you to, to use the link to grease my palms, which maybe that doesn't, maybe that's not the right message, but it supports the show. It supports your, your runs by making sure that you're getting some fuel and also some electrolytes, which not for nothing as it's getting warmer, kind of important also supporting a great company. So check it out, disruns.com slash tailwind. Let me know your go-to flavor. Mine, if I'm going no calf, I like the orange. If I'm going calf, I like the green tea buzz. But you let me know what works for you and uh, get yourself some good stuff. Disruns.com slash tailwind. And now without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, uh, today's guest is a lady that uh, knows firsthand how much of a difference running can make uh, in, in the world around us. In, in 2010, she set out to run across the United States in an effort to uh, raise some money to help fight the fight against multiple sclerosis. And that, that effort led to her ultimately founding the organization MS Run the U.S., uh, which one of their big things that they do is, is put on an epic uh, relay race annually uh, where people are running across the United States in support of the fight and fundraising and spreading the message, raising awareness, all that, all that stuff to kind of fight the fight against multiple sclerosis. So uh, it's a pleasure today to be able to uh, talk to the lady who started it all, Ms. Ashley Schneider. So Ashley, thanks for, uh, for joining us and welcome to the show. 
Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Good, good. Well, the pleasure is, is certainly all mine. And guys, if you uh, enjoy today's conversation, want to find out more about the organization, want to help support it, anything like that, uh, msruntheus.org is the website. And obviously all the, the information is there, details, donate, join the teams, all, all the things are there uh, on social media at msruntheus is another great place to connect with them. And if you want to connect with Ash a little more specifically, uh, her social media handles or her handle, I guess, is at Ash M. Schneider. So A-S-H, the letter M-S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R. Uh, and as per usual, I have everything linked up in the show notes for today. Uh, so if you're not sure which is which or if it's a .com or a .org or all those things, it is a .org. But if, in case you forget, disruns.com slash 942 is a link to take you back to the show notes for today. Uh, and as per usual, like I said, we'll have everything linked up down at the bottom of the post there, disruns.com slash 942. So, Ashley, the way we always uh, get things started around here is is with uh, a simple question that for some folks, it's a pretty easy one to answer. For, for others, it's a little bit more difficult because, quite frankly, there's a lot of good options out there. But in any event, it's a good place to uh, start the conversation. And so I'm just going to ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? My favorite distance to race is, so I have two, and they're almost equal. Uh, I like the half marathon. And the reason I like it is because it's long enough to feel like you're doing something, but not so long that you have to train a, mm. like a lot to do it. Um, and then on the flip side of that, I love 50 milers, like a trail 50 miler. You do have, I feel like if you're going to train for a marathon, you might as well just throw in a couple extra miles and run 50. Um, <laughs> and, and then just trail. I just love the community. You run six miles, you eat a handful of like pretzels, you run another six miles, you get some Oreos. All of a sudden, 50 miles later, you're at a finish, and they hand you a beer. That's my jam. You know, I, I, I feel like I say this just about every time that I, I talk to somebody whose you know, favorite distance is some type of, of ultra distance, uh, uh, ultra marathon distance. But especially, like, the idea of if you're going to train for a marathon, just run a couple extra miles, and you can do it. Like, I could, I could get behind that logic for a 50K, but for a 50-mile, <laughs> that, that seems like a stretch to me. It's not. It really is not a stretch. And that's the thing with ultra running is – there's often this misconception that in order to do a 50 miler, you have to do so much more or you have to double your uh, marathon training, which is absolutely not true. It really is just a couple extra miles like scattered throughout the training that then adds up over time, um, compounding interest to you being able to cover 50 miles in a race. Yeah, and, and I don't know that I was planning on, well, I certainly know I wasn't planning on going down this route, but I think it might be a fun little philosophical discussion because I've, I've done, I don't know, what have I done this with? Three, three or four, I, sh I shouldn't lose count when it's still this small of a number, but I've done three or four 50Ks um, at, at this point, and I enjoy them, and, and I've, I've definitely kind of have gotten to the point where I'm like, yeah, you know, like there's really not that much of a difference between uh, a 50K and a, and, a, and a marathon, right? Like, like yes, it's right. five more miles, but on race day, especially, like you said, you know, run to the first aid station and stop and relax for a minute and grab a bite and this and that and the other. And it's, it's just like a different vibe, a different, a different atmosphere. Just everything's different from like your stereotypical road marathon. Um, but, but for a 50 miler, like, again, I, I haven't, I haven't done it yet. So I can't, I, I, I can only speak from the logical part in my head that says that that doesn't make sense, that it wouldn't, it wouldn't be that much more <laughs> difficult. Um, but, but how much, I guess maybe for, from your perspective, at least like that idea of just kind of run to the next aid station, as opposed to 50, you know, I've got 50 miles as opposed to like, you know, just six or seven or four or whatever it is to the next aid station. Like, is, is that compartmentalizing what really makes it kind of that much more manageable for you? You think? 
For sure. And during my very first 50 miler, um, it was something that was echoed to me by my father. I didn't necessarily have it in that context. And so I had jumped from doing a couple half marathons to, um, to essentially quitting my job, moving home to run across the country, <laughs> having never run a marathon. And so I figured if I was going to run across the country, I should run a marathon. So I left my front door and ran a marathon. It was not uh, pretty or pleasant or comfortable, but I did it. And then that's when I signed up for a 50 miler. Cause I was like, well, I just proved to myself I can do a marathon. I don't need to pay and sign up to a race to do a marathon. Um, and so in that journey, I show up to a 50 miler six weeks after running my first marathon. And, um, I had only, I had done 30 miles in training and a couple other longer runs littered throughout there in the six weeks. And when I got to the 30 mile aid station, uh, my parents were there and I looked at my dad and I said, okay, I have never, never run this far before, like 20 miles left. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. Like my legs could fall off. I don't know what this is going to feel like. And he said, you don't have 20 miles left. You have one mile left. Just run one mile at a time and I'll see you at the finish. Mm -hmm. And that's literally what I've done in training, in business, in life. It's just one mile at a time because it's totally manageable and it's something that you can focus on and it helps me stay present in the moment. And you find that as you get through the highs and lows of one mile, you can do the next. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I feel like as, as you're saying that, and especially when you're, when you're relating it to areas of life beyond just running, which is something that I do a lot with, with kind of running lessons and metaphors and things like that. But it's, it's one of those where, I, I mean, as, as a runner, a lot of us, we can always do a mile. Like, you know, even if we're not feeling great or, or whatever the case might be like uh, a mile, like that's doable. Um, so, so you know, when, when it seems daunting, like, again, I mean, it's, it's a bite-sized chunk. It's, it's all right. Well, one more mile, even though there might be 25 more after that, or 49 more after that, or however many more after that. But it's like, you know, instead of, instead of freaking yourself out about how many, it's just, just one mile and we can handle that. Right. Totally. So and there's people there that keep it fun too. Right. So, you know, it's not this experience where you're all by yourself unless you make it that experience. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that, uh, you know, kind of your progression to the first 50 miler was, was a bit rapid, you know, a couple of half marathons and then kind of your own solo, uh, marathon and then getting to the 50 mile range. But, um, where, where'd you get started as a runner? I mean, it sounds like maybe this has kind of always been, been a thing for you or, or how'd you kind of, you know, was it high school, middle school, college, like, or, or, you know, where, where'd you get started in the sport? Yeah, I, um, I feel like I was born with the love of running. I remember very early, like first, second grade, uh, I went to a small private uh, grade school and we had uh, track and field was two weeks. Mm. Um, we had one week of training <laughs> and then we did one week of, of the events. And I always loved the longest distance, which was available at the time was a 400 meter and 800 meter. And then I had to pick one field and I always did running long jumps. So everything mm. I did was like centered around running because I really enjoyed it. And I, I found that even when like classmates would complain about having to run in gym class or whatever. I just really enjoyed it and then um, continued to enjoy it and found it unique that I enjoyed it. And so I appreciated that. Um, and I got into high school and I joined the cross country team. And that was my first experience where I was with other people that enjoyed running too. And I just loved it. You know, so then I ran cross country in high school. I was also, I also played competitive soccer. And so I did soccer in college and continued running just for, just for fun. Um, I did do track and field in college for two seasons. Um, and then, yeah, I got into half marathon running 
I did a couple of those and then ended up after I graduated from college, my first job was on a cruise ship and I was traveling around the world and was using running as a way to tour the ports outside of what was available in organized tours and buses. And I found it was a really amazing way to see different cities. So I, yeah, it's just been this thing that I've always loved and I seem to be pretty good at it. Which gotcha. is nice. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Well, yeah, it's always always nice when it lines up that something you enjoyed doing. Uh, you're actually, you know, there, there's some talent there or or, or whatever. But uh, this this cruise ship thing, I'm I'm curious about this. Um, for for you know, eventually, hopefully, sooner rather than later, things will start getting more and more opened up. Vaccines, yada yada yada, COVID. Um, but but when it comes to running uh, at, at ports, um, is that something that that as as somebody who's taken a couple of cruises, not 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 a, a regular uh, seagoer myself, but it's, it's happened once or twice. Um, I've always kind of had that that kind of not not that I'm like nervous, but like you know you don't know you're pulling into some port, and obviously you know usually the, in the few times I have I have cruised, it's like right there, right around the port. Like it's it's pretty feels pretty pretty you know centric around the port and the 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 cruise guests and and you know all that kind of stuff right there. Um, but anytime you start maybe venturing out a little bit on some excursion or whatever, like it, it can feel like it might get a little sketchy real quick, obviously depending on where you are. Um, right. but you know, the idea of just getting off the ship and going for a run, I don't know that I've ever thought about doing that before, but, um, is that, is that common? Is that something that's maybe for the, the people working on the cruise ship common? Not so much like, uh, times that it's, it's, uh, I don't know been sketchy like like what, what's the experience like from somebody who's who's living it and and done it multiple times like i'm, I'm assuming it was it was it would be a great way to see you know see the ports see the different parts of the world but uh i mean i don't know not not a great question there but but what's it you know like like is that something that as runners maybe we should we could we could do comfortably when we're on vacation on a cruise somewhere in the future yeah you know i'd probably steer away from it on vacation mm-hmm. um i i lived on the work on the on the cruise ship i worked in these ports uh we knew kind of like local places to go and this is not to say that i knew every sketchy street mm-hmm. um but i i you know it's it's almost like anything where you venture out a little bit and then the next time you go a little bit more and the next time you go a little bit more so maybe my first run in a port was a couple miles and the most I ever stretched it was probably five or six because I had time restrictions of getting back to the ship on time and all those kind of things. So probably wouldn't recommend it, uh, for a vacationer. Um, but it was something I was comfortable doing because I was visiting these ports on a weekly basis. We would meet local people. We would know places to go and, you know, kind of pass down through the employees that worked there in previous, um, contracts in terms of like, cool spots mm-hmm. to see and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, it was something I felt comfortable doing, but also I was 23, 24, um, even running across America, there can be some sketchy roads mm-hmm. and, um, there is some risk involved in it. Even with what we do as a, as a nonprofit now we do, we do, um, like select specific routes, but there's always a risk when you're running on a highway Mm -hmm. or through a city that you're not familiar with. And so, um, for me at that time, I was willing to take those risks because I was adventurous and I, and I still am, um, to a certain degree and didn't I felt like the reward outweighed the possible risk for me personally. Mm -hmm. And so I think people need to make their own choices when it comes to that decision. 
Well, and, and, and you make a good point and, and, it, and it's, you know, a point that probably relates to anybody who lives anywhere that, you know, when, you, when you're at the same, in the same areas repeatedly, like you get a feel for what's going on. You hear about, you know, it's, it's, it's good to go here. Might want to avoid there, like whatever the case might be. So, you know, you're at the same port every week. Like you do kind of figure that out. Just like, you know, somebody who, who lives in, you know, insert city here knows where to run, where not to versus somebody who's just there on vacation or there for a conference or whatever. It might be like, eh, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if my hotel's in a safe place or not. Or if I turn right at this street, like all of a sudden it's good. Or if I turn left, it's not like, you just don't know. So when you're there, you get that familiarity and, and you kind of know, all right, like I know where I can go, where I can't time frames, things like that. And, and yeah, it kind of makes sense to, to lean into it from your position but when you're on vacation, like just stick to running a thousand laps on the little, on the little deck <laughs> on top of the boat. Exactly. And I think too, like our fears to a certain degree can be healthy. Right. So like this winter, for example, I did a lot of nighttime running like mm. 9 30, 10 30, 11 PM running. Cause that was what fit with my family. And the first time I went out, I was like, my heart rate was elevated. Mm -hmm. My eyes were probably like, my pupils were probably dilated, taking in all of this, <laughs> like my, right. my, I could hear everything. It was really this like, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm, I don't feel comfortable. I'm a little afraid, but it was like, I just needed the, uh, refreshing experience of running. Mm -hmm. And that was the best available time. And so as I continued to do that, I became less and less afraid of the dark. And so then I was able to go out after five, 10, 15 times running at night at 1030 at night and feel completely comfortable and then find joy in it. Right. There's like mm. a million stars and nobody else is out there. And there's something like really uh, poetic about being somewhere alone where, you know, everybody else is resting, but you're grinding. And so, you know, one fears keep us safe, but then you can also work through them as long as you're continuing to be aware of your surroundings and understanding that maybe sometimes the fear isn't based in reality, but perception. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, so, and again, you know, like you said, running across the, running this event across the, the, the country, like there's, there's some spots, there's some, maybe some sketchy spots or just some fear in general of like, Oh my gosh, like, can I do it? What's going to happen? Yada, yada, yada. So going back to, to, I guess, 11 years ago now to, to 2010, or maybe even before that, when you start to plan it, like maybe even that's the better question. Let's start, let's start there. Um, when did the idea of running across the United States to, to raise money and, and awareness, uh, and, and fighting, uh, the, the fight against multiple sclerosis, where did that, where did that come from? What was the inspiration? What, what got this whole, whole train started, you know, 10, 12 years ago? Yeah, I was in Barcelona running on the treadmill in the cruise ship coming into port. And, um, I was thinking about that thing that we just talked about, like how fun it is to see these various different cities, um, on foot, how cool it is to run it, how, how great it, you know, it is for me to travel and see these different places in Europe. I was traveling through Europe at the time. Um, and, and I had a lot of friends that were not American that had said, well, where have you been in America? You know, and I'm like, uh, Wisconsin and Colorado, <laughs> you know, I hadn't, we have all of this amazing stuff in America that I hadn't explored. So that kind of seed was in my mind. I was thinking about where I could run to in the U S and see it. And it just, you know, when you're, when you're in the middle of a run, you get these grandiose ideas. Mm -hmm. So the, the dots started connecting, like running in America, where would I go? I, you know, and then it became this run from city to city, run across America 
And then I did not know how many miles that was. I had not run a marathon, but I, in this thought process of like thinking about this and telling my parents, my mom had already been diagnosed with MS before I was born. And so when I started thinking about my parents and my mom's MS and that I had never done any fundraising or or awareness for it, that's when everything connected. And I realized I should run across America for my mom to raise money and awareness for MS. And that moment was when everything that had happened to me in my life up until that point, loving running and all of the adversity that I experienced as a young girl watching my mom lose her mobility Mm -hmm. um, came together in this purpose of this is what you were made for. And once I knew that was my purpose, then I just, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, At that point, and, and, Compared to now, of course, but but at that point, um, I'm I'm guessing that there wasn't nearly as much information available, or at least readily available, about some of the logistics of of running across the country. In, in, in no small part to the fact that nowadays, like you know, people can can check out the the MS Run the US website and talk to talk to people who have done it before and kind of get an idea. At least here's a route that's that's probably somewhat safe because you kind of the route that you keep doing just about every year. And, and there's so many other folks that have done it for various other causes and different routes and your pros and cons and this and that and the other. Um, but what was, what was the, you know, what was the preparation? Like, what was the, the planning? Like, uh, I, I, I mean, I feel like even just doing it now, it would be overwhelming, but, but I feel like 12 years ago it would have been just, just insane. But what was, what was like, you get the idea. Yes, this is going to be awesome. This let's do this. Um, does the, when, when did the second shoe drop of like, Oh no, like, there's a lot that goes into this. Uh, it has never dropped and it, you know, <laughs> it didn't and it still hasn't. Um, and because I, I do approach it at that one mile at a time, mm. anytime that I feel um, overwhelmed, anxious, fearful, I reset my mind. Um, I completely 100% used the power of positive thinking, which is something I realize now my parents have trained me to do mm. um, in one way or another my whole life. And so when I decided I was going to leave my job on the cruise ship and come home to run across the country, I started clearing out all negativity in my life. Um, people that didn't fit this narrative, I was not interested in, in, you know, not in a mean way, but I just was not interested in having them a part of my circle. I changed the music that I listened to. I uh, found books that supported this thinking and, mm-hmm. and the vision that I had that I wanted to create. Um, and I really just kind of centralized that anytime I felt anxious and overwhelmed, I became very present in the moment of what is the thing I need to do right now mm-hmm. and not thinking about what's going to happen in one month or four months or six months, but what can I do right now that I can control that will help me take me closer to this goal. And so, um, that really has been the key for me. Uh, planning it. Uh, I had a BlackBerry, so I did use Google Maps. Mm-hmm. It wasn't great. There were there were some challenges that, that came up in my route, but I don't know. It was entertaining. It was fun. I didn't, um, in those moments, feel overwhelmed of like, oh, shoot, I screwed up the route. Like, it's just, it was just kind of this, like, it was just me, right? So I wasn't like asking other people to do it. Now, I don't take that stance when I, ha- when I send other runners out. Mm-hmm. I very much review the route and make sure I know where I'm sending people. But for me personally, it was like their roads were, I'm in America. Mm -hmm. I'm an American. I can, I have a Blackberry with Google maps. You know, I have a motorhome following me and I have sponsorship covering my food. What else do I need? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, what else do you need? Like, like, I mean, yeah, ultimately like, like you got the, the basics covered, but, um, and, and, and I don't know, I, I, I'm not trying to be, to be negative here. I'm not trying to, to <laughs> rain on anybody's parade after this, this conversation about, you know, positive things, because let's not kid it. Like, and I'm, and I'm on board too. Like, like, you know, if you, if you can think positive and, and, and try to refocus on, on hardships in, in a somewhat, of a, of a positive light as opposed to like, Oh, everything's, you know, the sky is falling. Like, like that makes, that certainly makes a difference. Um, but there had to be like, there had to be some challenges, like even with the positive spin on things and, and, and looking for the, the, the way to make it happen and focusing on the here and now. Um, I mean, just, just, it, it can't have been that easy. Was it? No. And you're right. I make it sound easy. Um, but you're missing part of the, part of the thing that I said, is anytime I felt fearful, mm, anxious, right. or overwhelmed, I intentionally reframed my mindset. So it's this, it's this awareness of thought that I have. Mm -hmm. um, and it hasn't been perfect. Like I've lost it and recultivated it. And, you know, I've, when things aren't going right, I, I like assess like, why, why am I experiencing this? And then I realize that I've lost touch with, with this awareness of thought. Um, it's coupled with action too. It's not like I sit in my room mm -hmm. and and like think my way to success. Like I, I think my way to success and then I follow it with action. And when I experience adversity, emotional, uh, personal, mental, physical, uh, challenges, when I spiral down, I, I don't spiral down so low that I can't see what's going on. So let me, let me see if I can. Okay. Here's a good example. Um, when I was setting up my run across the country, the, the whole concept was that I wanted to raise $500,000 to give towards MS research. And in order to do that, I wanted sponsors to pay for the fuel and the food because I was 24 and I had no savings. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to be able to give away all the money that I fundraised. So I needed sponsorship to pay for it. And then I also was looking for either a sponsor or a person to borrow me their motorhome mm -hmm. so I could live in this motorhome while I traveled across the country. Uh, doing this run six weeks to my start date, which was March 22nd, 2010. I put that on the calendar a year before. Um, I didn't have a sponsorship and I didn't have motorhome. Right. And my crew who was my boyfriend at the time was kind of freaking out. He's like, none of this is in place. We need to push the start date back. Like this isn't going to happen on March 22nd. Like, like we need to really look at this. And I just, you know, I, I said to him, um, if I push the date back, that means I never believed it was there for me to begin with. Mm. And today we could meet someone that gives us a motorhome. today. We can meet a sponsor today. All of this stuff can come together. And if I, if I change that date, it just means I never believed it. And I did believe it in my heart. I totally, every part of me believed that was there for me and MS Run the US. And a week later, we got a motorhome. We got mm. sponsorship. We had celebrity endorsement. And on March 22nd, I stood at the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco and I wow. started running across the country. So um, you're right. It's not that easy. There's a lot more that goes into it. And I do make it sound very Pollyanna. Mm -hmm. But it is this core belief that I have of what I envision and not swaying from that simply because things are not happening in a projected timeline that I've created in my head. Gotcha. Gotcha. So 
again, not that it all just falls into place. There's lots of lots of action that goes into it, and I think that's that's always the, kind of my hang up. I feel like I get when I'm just like hearing about visualizations or positive affirmations that like I get it, but there's still the action piece. And and thank you for for clarifying that and and reminding me that yes, you did say that when the hard cut times come, you think about things, and then you know that there's the actions that that come into it. Um, but that that first that first event that first time across the country, like how did it go? How was the fundraising? You know, uh, again, where where were some of the 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 trouble spots or the the obstacles, the 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 issues that cropped up along the way? Like how did how did the first run across the U.S. go? Uh, so physical wise, it was seamless. Um, I did twenty. The average was twenty four miles a day, six days a week for six months, and I had two blisters. Wow. So that was the duration of my injuries. I could have just. I could have just kept going. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot that went into that. So if you want to know like how I accomplished that and did it injury free, we can certainly talk about that. Um, I did have, uh, you know, the, the sponsorship support and, you know, families that came through and gave the motor home. We got a car donated where there was a lot of hiccups was my crew. So, you know, said boyfriend turned fiance turned now ex fiance <laughs> after the event. What we didn't do because I didn't really know how to do it or I didn't really think that it would be a big issue is the the um, selfless act that goes into being crew mm-hmm. and um, what the schedule would look and feel like, um, what the day-to-day operations were like, and those things really uh, were difficult for him Mm -hmm. and that became apparent. And then also it, it turned from, Hey, I'm just going to run across the country for my mom and raise half a million dollars into, uh, Oh, I started a nonprofit. And now also I kind of feel like this is what I'm supposed to do for the rest of my life. And how do you, how do you like support yourself on founding a nonprofit and raise all this money? And, and how do you start a nonprofit business? You know? And so I very quickly got sucked into, this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. And I absolutely love this. And this is so cool. And other people are going to want to do this and we're going to raise millions of dollars for MS. And that was not his dream or life plan. Um, but we were in a relationship and it's really hard to decipher those things when you're so close to the point of contact. Um, and so, yeah, in reflection, there was a ton of adversity, I did uh, bring on a uh, media person, a photographer who ended up stealing Mm. almost nearly $6,000 from the nonprofit. Now, I did get it back. Mm. (laughs) I did get every penny of it back. But that, you know, you experience that kind of adversity. Um, A highway that I thought was runnable was actually more like an interstate. So I ran on train tracks for 22 miles. Um, And then I got to a point where the train tracks met this this river, this is day two of my run across the country. (laughs) These train tracks that I'm on, uh, my boyfriend's worried about a train coming. The media person's like, I can't take pictures of you here. Um, I also didn't know that running on train tracks was illegal. So I do not promote doing this, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it is illegal. It is property by the train company. Um, so anyways, I'm on these train tracks. And they're abandoned and I find out they're abandoned because I come to a very wide river and the crossing is like is perpendicularly fixed open. So there's no way to cross. Oh, no. Um, looking at the map, 
I would have to run, I think it was like seven or 13 miles extra to go north and around the river mm -hmm. on a bridge that was safe and all this stuff. My boyfriend's trying to convince me to get in the car and just drive across the river. And I was like, I'm running across America. I'm not driving across this river. Um, and then I spotted this, this fishing pier and I like marched down to the fishing pier and I convinced one of the fishermen to let me in his aluminum boat. And he motored me across the river <laughs> to the uh, train tracks on the other side. And I climbed up the side of the, the train scaffolding Man. and got on the tracks and kept going. So <laughs> there was certainly adversity, but I was just kind of like for it. I was mm -hmm. like, all right, let's get in a fishing boat. <laughs> you know, I, I understand how I don't, I don't make our runners do that now, just, you know, but, <laughs> but like, that's kind of like, it was just, that's what it was. You know, mm -hmm. I was game for whatever, whatever kind of challenges and problem solving I had to figure out to make it happen. Well, and, and, and especially on day two, right? Like if, if this was day 400, well, I guess it wouldn't be day 400, but if this was day 120, like maybe, all right, just get me in the car, drive me across, like whatever. But on day two, like, oh, hell no. Like we're figuring this out because we're going to run across this, this bloody country. Um, no, not on day 420. <laughs> I've literally would not like even in Pennsylvania, the longest state. I mean, I was putting in near the end. I put in 30 mile days, 44 mile days to get to New York on time. There's not one part of me that was going to get in that car and drive the route. Wow. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that, that you would have or should have. I'm just saying that on day two, the thought is, at least for me, again, I'm not going to yeah. put thoughts in your mind. On day two, yeah, yeah. oh, heck no. On on day Pennsylvania, day four or whatever, like <laughs> may, maybe there's at least part of me that's considering that option. Like that's that's all yeah. I'm saying. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but so, so you make it across, again, adversity, things like that, uh, that, that crop up that you can't expect some that maybe you, you might expect there's going to be some, but, uh, you know, you mentioned the health part of, you know, just a couple blisters and that's it. Um, I, I can't just let that go because my, my, my background, uh, which everybody listening probably knows, but, but for your information, Ashley is, is as an athletic trainer. So like sports injuries, running injuries, kind of my jam and injury prevention, definitely my jam. Um, so, so I would be curious what, what, you kind of did to kind of stay, I mean, clearly to stay really healthy, logging all these miles, um, and nothing but a couple of blisters to show for it. Like, I mean, literally that can't be much better. Like you, you couldn't have, have had a, a healthier, uh, trip across the U S. So what, you know, what were some of your, your tips or, or tricks or what things did you do to, to stay so healthy over such a, 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 you know, gargantuan adventure? Yeah. So I think there's a few, a few components. The first one is that technically speaking, I was building base miles since I was in first grade. Mm, right. um, so that's one of the things that I think helped me. I think base miles are so, so important. Um, and it's something that we implement in our training program with MS Run US. When I take an everyday runner and I equip them to run 160 miles in six, in six days, it's base miles. And we have a, a part of the program that's called the playground where it's not really, it's not really uh, regimented. It's just having fun and building base. Um, and so I had a good amount of base miles. I had the right equipment. So my shoes, I got assessed for the shoe and I was b before deciding to run across the country, I was just like buying whatever shoe was on sale. Cause mm -hmm. I was only doing a handful of miles, mm -hmm. but doing this, I got assessed for my gait and found that I needed a stability shoe cause my ankles pronate. And so I was in a stability shoe. It's the shoe I've always worn. I've worn it for the last 12 years, obviously buying new pairs, right? So um, knowing that shoes wear out at about 300 miles, I had 12 pairs with me uh, for the event. And I rotated uh, three pairs of shoes at any given time. Mm -hmm. So um, 
the other thing that I did is I broke up my miles into two runs every day. So in the morning I would do 12 to 15 and then I would do the remaining, you know, 10 or whatever was in the afternoon. I would do that after I had lunch, after I took a nap, Mm -hmm. rest and recover. And that really helped me stay away from that zone where that you get into like severe muscle and body breakdown after about two miles, like two hours or so of running. Uh, you know, if you stay within like two to three hours, anything past that, you're really, really pushing the limits of, um, physical breakdown and how quickly you can recover. So I stopped before I got to that point. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other component besides eating everything (laughs) and sleeping a lot, I, um, I cut the country up into three sections and imagine that from Colorado or I'm sorry, California to Colorado was another phase of training for me. Mm. So my first day, uh, during the run, I did 17 miles. I think the second day was, you know, it was all like for the first couple of weeks, it was under 20 miles. Right. Then as I started to get across Nevada, it started to feel really like really strong. I had acclimated. I had allowed the soreness to like dissipate. I, I had felt I was paying attention. I could feel myself my endurance building, then I started to ramp up the miles. Now I'm doing 22, 24, 25. And you do that all across the middle of the country. Mm -hmm. And then by the time I got to the finish, I was in good enough shape and I had paced myself enough in terms of splitting those miles up that I could do 30, 32, 35, 44 miles near the end because my body was physically capable of handling it. Yeah, there's there's so much good in there. <laughs> from from a, a a running coach's perspective, from an injury prevention kind of guy perspective, like you know something just as simple as yeah, you're running 20 miles, but do two two blocks of 10 as opposed to one 20 miler. And, and of course, you'll get some folks, and 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 sometimes rightly so. Like there's value in doing that maybe that 20 miler building up to your marathon or, or doing those those really long runs. But when you're doing them every day, back to back to back to back to back. Um, that's where, if you can break them up a little bit, like it, it's, you're, you're getting the same, obviously that same number of mileage, but the amount of stress and wear and tear on your body is, is so much diminished by having a break in the, in between and eating and taking a nap and refreshing. And, and, um, I mean, just, just that, that little logistical change, um, I'm, I'm sure was, it was a game changer for you. Um, and, and something that, again, maybe all of us could kind of learn from when, it, when we're doing higher mileage builds or, or building a base or whatever, that like, you know, there's nothing wrong with breaking up your run and doing a couple runs uh, on the same day to get your miles in instead of just doing it all at once if it, if it can fit your schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was, and I had fun with it. Like I had, right. I mean, there were days where the weather sucked. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go out there. You know, I kind of, lingered maybe a little too long in the RV (laughs) and, you know, I had to force myself out there. Um, but you know, you've heard that 10 minute rule, do anything for Mm -hmm. 10 minutes. And if you need to give up after 10 minutes, you know, then, then maybe, uh, you take a break, but you know, once you're out there, the endorphins are flowing. Um, there was this very interesting experience of feeling, um, commanded by the miles So like every day I woke up, my task list was 20 miles, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. like you don't, I could not mentally relax until I started breaking down that task list until Mm -hmm. I started physically doing the miles. There was no like just 
relaxing and knowing it would go away because it wouldn't go away. And whatever I didn't do that day was tacked on to the next day. So there was no um, relief from that until I actually did the miles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so you make it across the country, you know, you, you, you get it done. You, you, you break down the task list every day, the days you don't want to, you get out there, you start. Um, and then once, you know, on the days that it's raining, at least like once you're wet, you're wet. So you might as well keep running and get your, get your miles in instead of getting wet multiple times during the day. Uh, you get to the finish line. And, and like you said, you know, a, a few minutes ago, at some point along this process, it starts to become like, this is going to be my thing. Like we're going to make a, a nonprofit out of this. This is going to become, become, um, you know, kind of what, what you, what you're going to do with, with your life. Um, but, but when, when did you, like, and maybe it was, maybe it was all, all part of the, the same, you know, that same timeline, but when did it become a, this is going to be something that, that maybe we're going to do every year, maybe not you specifically, but you know, this organization is going to come into play. We're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to get other people involved. We're going to, we're going to make this a big, you know, a, a, a huge component of our fundraising mission. Um, you know, when did the annual side of MS, uh, MS run the U S really take hold and, and become, you know, I mean, I know it started the next year, but like, when did it, when did that idea really come into place and, and make it start making it happen? Right. Yeah. There were a few things that played into that. One of the things I didn't mention too, of like, in terms of the getting out there and covering the miles, um, I did grow up watching my mom lose her ability to be independent and mobile. Mm. And so there was this very much this mentality, like I get to do this, mm. you know, like I get to tie on my shoes and go out and go running when my mom is stuck on the couch and experiencing that and seeing that as a, a 10 year old, 11 year old, 12 year old, 13 year old with those years where, you know, values and, and belief systems form within you and they start to solidify that that was uh, part of that getting out there and doing it. And so as I was out there doing it, um, I didn't really, in the beginning, I didn't really know, even as I was running, like what MS run the U S was going to be. I just kind of had this feeling like I, I should continue doing it somehow, you know, maybe I, I was going to help one person run across America every year. I wasn't really sure. Um, but it was just this feeling of like, I think I should be doing this, um, in whatever capacity, I don't know. Um, and so as I'm running, I am really bad at fundraising <laughs> in this specific <laughs> year, I get to New York and I had raised $55,000, which mm is not a small sum for one person, which I get, but my goal was $500,000, which is 10%. And I believed I could raise that much. So getting to New York and not actually experiencing that, it was kind of, it wasn't this like, Oh shoot, I missed my goal. It was like, no, I said I was going to raise half a million dollars. Mm -hmm. How do we do that? So in, during the run, I, I'd had runners that came out to run with me and a lot of them started to say, hey, I've always wanted to do something like this. I just don't have the time or the resources, right? Like I trained for a year and then it was going to take the endeavor took six months. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people don't take a year and a half. They don't have that time and resources to do that. So that planted the seed of like, OK, people kind of want to do something like this. What does that look like? Um, and that turned into when I failed at the fundraising, I realized that I needed to um leverage other people's networks to raise that much money. And so that's where the pieces started to come into place. Like there are runners that want to do something like this. What does that look like? How much time can someone take to run across the country? Mm -hmm. Okay. Like a week, right. Vacation from, from work. Okay. One person doing one week 
that's six marathons in six days, how much would that would be worth in fundraising? Uh, we have a fundraising minimum per runner of $10,000. The, the goal 100% matches the effort of what you're doing. So when you tell people you're a part of this relay team that's running across the country and you're supposed to do six marathons in six days and then you ask them for funds, like the funds come in and we have mm -hmm. a really great fundraising system that supports that. Um, but that goal came from like, I was going to essentially have to uh, walk away from the career that I'd built through college mm -hmm. and had perceived in my mind of what I was going to do for my life. Um, I had to I chose to, I didn't have to, I chose to sell my fitness business and move on from, um, from that kind of career. Uh, I, you know, let the lease drop on my apartment. I put everything in storage and the very first relay run across the country, I borrowed that same motorhome mm -hmm. from that family that gave me it for my event. And I slept on the couch for six months while volunteering to crew the wow. team that I had scraped together mm -hmm. <laughs> for the 2013 relay team. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it is, it's a, it's a lofty fundraising goal for an individual, but collectively it really feeds into the mission of what we do. And it was this piecing together of, of information of people wanting to do this, me wanting to meet a fundraising goal, realizing we could do it together and I could create a relay run across the country where one individual gets the experience of what it feels like to run across the country for one week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fast and fasting forward to kind of where we are now and even where we were a year ago, how has, how has um, the pandemic impacted or adjusted or altered or how have y'all had to react to, um, you know, the, the world that we've been in for the last, you know, 14, 15 months at this point? Right. Yeah. I mean, we start the, the, the relay starts in Santa Monica every year, the first week in April. And so 2020, when everything hit the U S mm -hmm. you know, it was right around for at least, at least me in, in Wisconsin, it was really March 6th is when we mm -hmm. started to realize things were not, we were going to have to start closing things down. And, um, we had postponed the event, but because of the logistics that go into it, uh, mainly like the runners being in a sp specific city at a specific mm -hmm. date and time, knowing that they are running that specific week and the unknown of what was going to happen with the pandemic. Like nobody knew, you know, what the virus was going to be and how bad it was going to, you know, and mm -hmm. we didn't think it was, we were in a position to, to do the event, even though our in-person event size is really, really small. It's one runner and two road crew. Right. Um, so we did, uh, we did, cancel the event and we had the runners do it, uh, from home in whatever mm. capacity they could do. Some of them did their mileage. Some of them did a marathon a day for six mm. days from their house. Wow. Uh, some of them did it as a relay event. Some of them, we had one guy that ran a one mile loop in a community park and had people join him. He did mm. that all week long. I think they covered, he covered a hundred miles that week. Wow which is crazy, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, and raised like $8,000. So, you know, we did the best we could. And then in putting the team together for this year, it was enough into the pandemic where we realized, okay, we are a small enough in event size right. that we can essentially quarantine the runner and crew. We can take the necessary COVID precautions to make sure that people are not infected upon arrival. We can quarantine them and the road crew from other people uh, coming out to support the event. So we do have some pretty strict COVID precautions in terms of people coming out to the event to run with our runners strictly because we don't want runner and or road crew getting sick right. and um, 
sidelining the event for two weeks, essentially. So this year, 2021, we are actually running across the country because our small in event size and because of our ability to do the COVID precautions and our team is crushing it um, in fundraising, which is was refreshing too. We didn't know what that was going to look like. We're, were people so upside down in terms mm. of of what's happened and job loss and income loss and you know everything that's going on in everybody's personal life we weren't sure if the runners were going to be able to meet that 10,000 fundraising goal and we have not had anyone drop the baton awesome. on that yeah it's been so inspiring and the team this year feels connected in a way I mean the teams are always really really connected but it seems very tight knit this year in a um, in an experience where they know they are doing something profound at a time when we all feel a loss of control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For for those that are listening that that would like to maybe be in consideration for a future team, um, what 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 is obviously you know there's the fundraising component uh, and then there's the training component, but but what 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 kind of you know, what, what is the process? What, what do you look for in, in putting, uh, what I would imagine is a somewhat diverse team together, but, but what, what, you know, kind of what goes into, into, to, uh, you know, forming the team and, and how does, how do folks get more information and, and potentially sign up to be, be part of the, uh, the, the applicant pool, if you will. Yeah, we have applications are always open online. Um, so we have people submitting applications on a regular basis to be on the 2022 relay team. So when we put the team together, we, we receive applications through the whole summer. We review those applications uh, in July and August and set up interviews. So there's an interview process where we talk with the runner, get to really know like uh, their why, their running ability, and their fundraising ability. And then we select the team, and we have a really fun selection process where we send invites out in the mail. We do that in September. Uh, you have the opportunity to accept your invitation you know, when you're, when you're sent an invitation, you know what segment you've been selected for. Mm-hmm. And that all kind of comes out in the interview. We ask runners what their three top segments that they want to run. Is there any time of the year that's not good for you? Because it's four and a half months long. So we have runners running right now. Our last runner starts in the second week of August. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of options for people that are maybe teachers can do right. it during the summer or you know someone who's like a cpa might be really busy in april but they have more time in july um and so when you receive the application or the acceptance spot uh you know what you've been assigned to and you can accept it if you want and then once everybody expe- accepts their spot we announce the team in october and start doing monthly uh team meetings from there going through core values and the mission, where the money goes, um, fundraising, uh, you know, how to, mm-hmm. how to be an exceptional fundraiser, how to, we have a, a relay running coach that is a two-time, uh, relay alum and she coaches out of Colorado. She's excellent. She's an ultra runner herself. She gets what we do and she's able to coach people into successfully running 160 miles in six weeks or I'm sorry, six days. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, that's how the, the relay application goes. Uh, we always encourage people. We also have this really fun ambassador program, which is essentially for anyone that is not going to do 160 miles in six days, but wants to be a part of this awesome event, uh, or awesome organization. You can be an ambassador. We have a lot of relay alumni that are ambassadors mm-hmm. and you're really just creating your own ambitious goals and your own a- ambitious fundraising goal and um 
and being part of this ambassador group. It's really good for people that want to be on the relay team, but don't have a relationship with the organization yet mm-hmm. because it's only 19 spots. So it is a selective right. group of individuals. We always have more applicants than, than spots for the team. And so it is selective and we always encourage people to join the ambassador program so we can get to know you mm-hmm. and, you know, get to see what your potential is for being on the team and what you have to offer to the cause. Just for my own curiosity, uh, and you can tell me to pound sand and, and not answer the question if you want to. That's totally fine. Um, but like you said, I mean, you're going to have, you know, you get 19 spots to fill. You're going to have more than, than that, 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 that apply. I mean, are we talking hundreds, thousands, like, like, like how, how many applications about ballpark do you, do you typically get that you then have uh, to whittle down to 19? Yeah, we get about 40, okay. about 40 every year. So it's not like it's, it's one in a million, but you know, like it's, it's definitely still selective. It is selective and we've done absolutely no marketing. So we've, awesome. I put no dollars to marketing, which is maybe not the best business model, but it's grown all through word of mouth mm-hmm. and people seeing someone that they know do something that they thought previously was impossible that then gets stuck in their mind and they they wonder if themselves they could do that. Uh, <clears throat> whittling down from 40 is still hard oh, sure, for yeah. me because in my mind, I'm like, that's 40 people that want to do this. And that's $400,000 in fundraising if they are all capable Mm -hmm. of raising the 10 K, you know, so that is even very hard for me, but it is consistently increasing. We are not very far from the time when we're going to have hundreds of applicants and we're going to have to figure out a system of how to, how to go through that because we already see, um, over the last, you know, two years specifically, this momentum shift of people connecting and wanting to be a part of this and watching it, and and having interest in seeing how they can contribute. Well, hopefully, we'll get a couple of folks to make your life a little more difficult when it comes to selecting <laughs> a team for for 2022 from folks that have listened to this and and uh, decided that that yes, this is something. And like you said, maybe maybe join the ambassador program. So maybe they're making your life more difficult for. 2023, 2024, uh, whatever. But you know, this is, this is no marketing dollars spent, but hopefully making your life more miserable is what we're, what we're going for (laughs) with this today. I'm game. (laughs) All right. All right. So as we're, as we're getting to that point about wrapping up today, Ashley, I gotta, gotta ask you one more question before we get out. And and I call the, the kind of the final question, uh, a philosophical question, which isn't as maybe scary as it sounds, but kind of just like the introductory question, very much open-ended. Uh, you can kind of take it wherever you want to go with it. And then, and then we'll wrap it up at that point. But, um, it, it, you know, at, at this point in your life, and this is maybe one of my favorite philosophical questions. Um, but you know, with, with all that, that, you know, and then like you said, you started running, started building that base in like first grade. Uh, so it's been something that's, that running has been part of your life for, for a while. Obviously you've done a lot for, for the community. I'm assuming the community's probably done a lot for you as well. Um, but, but why is, is running still important to you? Why is running still something that, um, you know, you're going to do on a regular basis. You're going to spend the, the winter nights in Wisconsin going out for runs at nine, 10, 11 o'clock at night. Like why is running still such an important part of your, your everyday life? That is a, that is a really good question. And I think, uh, the answer for me is that, uh, activity and movement really is about wellness. It's about, um, it's about medicine, right? It is, I mean, there's so much research that goes into the, the mental positivity of taking care of yourself in this capacity. So for me, it is running. I I just love it. Um, I do love lifting weights. I've done CrossFit, you know, so for me, really, it is just staying active. Mm. Um, running is convenient and 
it really helps me feel as I've, I've heard from a lot of other runners echo this is it helps me feel like sane, right? You don't like your mind can get away from you. Uh, those anxious thoughts, those angry thoughts, those frustrated thoughts, you go on a run, like you're just a different person, Mm -hmm. um, a better person. Right. And so striving towards continuing being a better person, having a vehicle that works really well for that, have no interest in changing right now (laughs) that vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. As, as is often the case, I'm sitting here nodding my head, but I I know everybody else is nodding their head too, because yeah, like we, we do it because we love it and all the benefits are, are, are there as well. So, uh, thank you for, for sharing that Ashley. And and thank you, uh, of course, for, for all the the great work that, that you and the team over at MS run the U S do, uh, and, and trying to, to make the world a little better place, especially for those that are, that are dealing with multiple sclerosis, multiple sclerosis. Easy for me to say, uh, guys, if you enjoyed today's episode, you want to find out more about the organization, want to support the work they're doing, maybe, maybe don't make some donations. Uh, maybe, maybe get yourself, uh, you know, entered into the pool for, uh, being part of the team here in, in the, you know, in the coming years, MS run the org is the website. Once again, uh, same handle on, on social media is at MS run the U S. And if you, if you want to connect with Ashley, maybe ask her some questions directly, Ash M Schneider on Instagram again, A S H M S C H N E I D E R disruns.com slash nine, four, two is a link back to the show notes for today. As per usual, all the links will be there, disruns.com slash 942. So, Ashley, thank you uh, once again for, for taking the time today. Thanks for, for sharing some, some great stories, some good insight. And again, thank you for all the, all the work that you're doing. Uh, hopefully, like I said, hopefully we can make your life a little more difficult with selecting uh, future teams as a, as a result of today. Uh, but again, thanks for the time and, and nothing but the best in this year's race, future year's races, and just all other future endeavors going forward. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I look forward to this uh, you know, difficult challenge of of selecting through your wonderful listener base. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Ashley and myself. And as per usual, I'd be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was, what was your takeaway of the day? For me, I, lots of things. I mean, I, I kind of highlighted a few of them as we went. So I, I try not to go back to the well on those too often, um, but I think for me, the, the, the takeaway that I'm going to go with for today was uh, the idea that, that Ashley said she's kind of been building her base for that trip across the U.S. since she was in first grade. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe you have caught on to the fact that, like, building your base is kind of important. At least that I believe it is. I stress it often enough. And so for, for Ashley to say that and, and, and literally use those words of like started building her base in first grade, um, it was just like, it put this big smile on my face of like, yeah, yeah, I guess that, that does make a difference. And, and obviously none of us can go back in time. At least I don't think, um, if you've got the, uh, the time machine, let me know. Uh, I wouldn't mind, you know, going back and changing a few things along the way, but short of that, there's nothing we can do to go back in time and, and make up for lost time when it comes to building our base. However, similar to the, to the Chinese, I think it's a Chinese proverb or Chinese saying that, you know, the best time to build a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is today. Well, you know, the next, the, the best time to have built your base might've been starting in first grade, which maybe was 20 years ago. Maybe it was longer than that. Doesn't matter. That would have been a great time to start building your base. However, since we can't do that, building that base and being serious about building that base starting now, I mean, that's the next best time. That's the next best time. So, um, 
you know, just prioritize your base building, whatever, whatever goals you have. And you might not have a goal of running from California to, to New York City. You might not have a goal of running six days in a row as part of a relay team that's doing the same thing with MS Run the U.S. You might not even have a goal of, of ever running a marathon. Totally cool. Whatever running goals you might have, I'm, I'm here to tell you that having a, a good base in place makes those goals more achievable, makes it more possible, makes it more likely that you'll be able to put in the time, put in the effort, and stay healthy while doing so to help you punch whatever ticket, cross whatever finish line, break whatever time barrier. I'm not saying it's guarantees. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying it gives you a, it gives you a chance of staying healthy and putting in the work that is that, that makes it possible. So, um, so yeah, ba- building your base kind of important. And I was I was delighted. I was tickled to hear Ashley say that that was a big part of it, and uh, that she can she can say that you know she started building her base in, in first grade. I cannot say that. Well, I kind of wish I could. I wish I could. Maybe if I could, then running a fifty miler wouldn't be any more difficult than running a marathon. Still, head still spinning on that one a little bit. Uh, but anyway, what was your takeaway from today? What stood out to you from today's episode? Uh, let me know at Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram. You can also uh, shoot me an email, Dizruns at gmail.com. And or you can head over to the show notes for today, Dizruns.com slash 942. Leave your thoughts, leave your feedbacks, leave your takeaways down there in that comment section that's down at the bottom of the page. Past the photos, past the links, past all the things disruns.com slash 942 in the show notes. Leave your takeaways in the comments. And with that, we'll go ahead and, and start wrapping this one up. Basically, we'll wrap it up already. But one last time for Tailwind, disruns.com slash Tailwind is the affiliate link. Uh, get yourself some good fuel. Get yourself uh, some tasty fuel and help to support the show at the same time. You know, avoid avoid the Amazon middleman. Use the, the Disruns middleman, which I'm not really the middleman. I just take a little cut, which... I don't know. The more I say that, the, the worse it sounds, right? But uh, supporting the show via affiliate links costs you nothing, um, and uh, it, it certainly helps me, and it helps helps good companies to continue to grow um, independent of, uh, of the Amazon situation. So disruns.com slash tailwind. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you did, great way to, to pay it forward is to uh, spread the word. Hit that share button. Tell somebody else about the show. Uh, and maybe spread the word about uh, joining the, the MS Run the U.S. Uh, team in the future as well. Uh, but we'll, you know, we'll worry about that, uh, or we'll discuss that more. Or I don't know. Well, something with that in the future. But for now, just help spread the word if you're willing to help spread the word. I would appreciate it. If you're not willing, no worries. One way or the other, have a good one. All right, have a good rest of your day. Thanks for taking me with you. Thanks for the time and the attention. And until next time, y'all be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening, and uh, talk soon. All right. See you guys.